to another episode of WCM Fireside Chats. I am Brian Sir with Insider Perks here with my regular co-host, Ben Quiggle from Woodall's Campground Management, as well as Kara Brodergam from the Canadian Camping and RV Council. Uh, just a reminder that we are live on multiple different Facebook pages. If you would like to take part in our discussion, which is open today, uh, then please comment and we can pull those in and respond and put those up on screen and involve you guys in the discussion. We are also available as a podcast on iTunes, Google, Pandora, all those kinds of places. And so... Uh, if you're obviously listening now, then you're either already listening on the podcast or watching on video and don't need to listen to the podcast. So I'm really not sure the value of <laughs> telling you that, but uh, it is what it is. Um, I think we're going to start off the show talking about the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile thing that Ben Quiggle brought up. We were talking about that and then Kara said, let's go live and talk about that. So, well, it's live time. You, I, I mean, so just I mean, you like it or not. The thing, Ben, or? I mean, literally before we before we just started this thing, I was scrolling through the news and Planners is hiring peanutters to drive nutmobiles, and they have like this really cool uh, picture of this of this uh, nutmobile, I guess, that you would drive around um, if you got hired by them to do it. Kind of like I'm an confused. Oscar Mayer Wiener. Oh, I was just gonna ask where what's Oscar Mayer Wiener got to do with this? Okay. I, put, I put the link in our comments on our Facebook page. Oh, good. But it, it has oh, a really good picture. Yeah, I'm sure there's probably a ton of applications and people interested in that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so I'm going to check it out. <laughs> You're what? I'm sorry. I'm going to check it out right now. <laughs> I, I can't. Like, I, I've got two screens here, so I'm upset. Every, now. I guess it's. Every, can, check it out too? can you pull one of these things into an RV site? Like, can you sleep in the back I, of it? I mean, or? if it would open, I would. I would. I would tell you. I can't see it. I don't know. I feel like it's an important I like, thing to put a cot in the back. So. <laughs> I like peanuts, but I don't know if I would like peanuts that much. Are they going to make me just eat peanuts when I'm driving this thing? Oh, <laughs> this is a career <laughs> opportunity for you. I see. I was wondering what the connection possibly could be. <laughs> but um, this is an open discussion, but, right? You talk about anything, like... So Ben's got a list of topics. We got Matthew on here who's going to talk to us about this really cool RMS virtual conference in a second. But first, I feel like I've been waiting for this for like a month uh, to complain a little bit because it's an open discussion and I can talk about anything, right? So I'm in an Airbnb right now. And when I looked at this place to book it, uh, there was no snow on the ground anywhere. And I got here <laughs> and there's snow. And so I'm going to leave a bad review when I, when I it's, leave. It's winter place. time. In for a large part of the world. Lighting. That's beginning. That's, I thought it was going to be tropical when I came here. <laughs> Good luck. You can ask for your money back at the end as well. I know. Yeah. My money back. Be that guy. Those things <laughs> in the industry. This has got to. We got to put our foot down on this stuff. <clears throat> yeah. No <laughs> good. So, so uh, so you won't tell us where you're at. So we should be doing like this. Where in the world is Brian? Segment for this show now. Yeah, people would yeah, start that's guessing. A clue. So Brian, Brian will give you $1,000 if you guess where he is. <laughs> Brian, you have electricity at the moment. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, you can have $1,000 if you guess where I'm at. <laughs> I think I think Matt asked if you have electricity at the moment. Do you have electricity? We're going well, to narrow, well, narrow it down. <laughs> So you're not in Texas? Oh, then. apparently not. <laughs> oh, come yeah. on. That was 
It's I know. Texas who suffered through that stuff. I lost uh, my power last week for a couple of hours, and I was yeah. It's my kids were like, "What are we gonna do? We can't watch Netflix." Like, what? Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Come that, on, the world." But right. I guess we were gonna start talking. Um, maybe you guys have heard RMS is gonna be doing a, a summit here um this uh in a couple weeks um i'm looking up the exact dates because i don't want to get it wrong and i can't remember the exact dates matt do you remember what are yeah. the dates it's I'm march sure 16th and 17th okay so we invited matt just to talk a little bit about um what rms is going to be doing for the summit because it's kind of a you know it's a unique summit it's going to be virtual and they're going to have quite a few different topics on industry kind of trends and different things. So I guess, Matt, just tell us a little bit about why you're doing the conference and, and what's going to be involved, I guess. I'm super well, disappointed that I have to miss it and I can't be there, so. It's virtual, you can go. Yeah, you can log in, Brian. You're in that remote of a location. Somehow you have Wi-Fi today, but not. Not on the 16th of March. Yeah. Much. I'm gonna be busy. Don't make me like look bad. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's on two days, the 16th and the 17th. Um, we did one last year, and it was really popular. But it was in person in our offices in San Diego. Um, but this year, obviously, we can't even be in the office, so um, <laughs> we can't invite people to be in the office. So uh, it's last year. It was. It was just for um, clients, and this year we're opening it up to people who are not clients as well. And um, it's a two-day event. Um, and we start at uh, the 8 a.m. Um, Pacific time, which is 11 on um, Eastern, and we run for about five hours. There's four or five hours worth of stuff. Um, we've got keynotes. Um, we have uh, our one-on-one -on -one session. So this was hugely popular in our first one where we where people got to speak to like an expert one-on-one -on -one. and um so we have like 30 minute sessions where people can um talk to our staff and and i think this was one of the most popular things we did um and we have four keynotes for campgrounds and i'm gonna have to cheat because i'm gonna have to look it up uh we, we've got one on revenue management which is like one of the nearest and dearest to my heart because i spent lots of times in hotels in the past in revenue management We've got the future of what's happening um, at the end of COVID and post-COVID. Um, and I think, Ben, actually, you're moderating that one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then um, we have a discussion with Diana from Camp Cal Now on, uh, and Ben, I think, as well. It's um, about the extended stay um, yeah. uh, trend. You know, people that are, that are actually living don't live in their house anymore gave up their rent in san francisco and they're now like uh digital nomads and and um uh that discussion will be around that and then uh we have one that's uh basically a marketing session with um trevelino keller which is the marketing company um dean the founder of um trevelino keller will be talking and uh angela from inside perks will be on that one as well so We've got some pretty interesting um, stuff happening over the two days. 
And I heard Quiggle was moderating that one too, moderating that one for Angela. So is there anything that Quiggle is not involved in at your conference? Well, I don't I don't know if I'm doing the COVID one. I'm monitoring the one with Angela and I can't remember the, the session title for that. And then I'm doing doing the session with Diana Kelly. So I'm only you, doing two. You're monitoring or you're moderating? Moderating, moderating. moderating. All right. Yep. So I'm, I guess you could do both at the same time. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about the conference, uh, the summit, just because I think it's there's going to be a lot of interesting discussions. And I think um, bringing it virtually obviously allows more people to take part in it, which I think is great, too. So, yeah, it's awesome. So how do you sign up? How do we register? Where do we get access? Um, so if you go to our website, um, rmsnorthamerica.com, there's a link at the top. Um, and... Uh, we, it's, it's 60, well, until today, it's $65 to attend. Um, and we actually have like a discount today for, um, for the people that are listening. And if you oh. use the code Woodles 50, you will get 50% off the entrance fee. Um, it's, it's on mm -hmm. the about link and then IHS summit. Will you put that in the chat real quick? On the I, page will, I will. You know, let me put the direct link there and oh. the way people can go straight there. Oh, I think I put the I put a link. Ben oh, you did. did? Oh, ben, yeah, that's right. Uh, that, like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Off there, Ben, because that's all just the tracking for analytics, and it'll confuse people thinking they have to type that out. One second, I'm working on it. He's working on it. Um, so what else we got? Uh, I mean, what's the reason RMS is putting this on? Like, I mean, obviously now there's an opportunity to attend people for virtual and stuff like that. Uh, what is the goal of this conference? If it was, if it came out perfectly in your mind. Um, well, we, you know, I, I guess um, we, this is a way of like, you know, getting, spending some time with our clients and, you know, um, other people within the industry to, to kind of uh, give them information on what's happening out there. And, um, you know, in a forum that they're not, uh, we, we do webinars um, every month as well. Um, so, you know, this is, this is a way of, you know, kind of compressing what we talk about on a lot of those webinars during the year into a couple of um, sessions. So it's, it's, it's education, you know, industry education. And um, we just hope people come and learn some stuff and, uh, you know, and become better marketers and better, you know, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, um, you know, it, it, a lot of drawing people towards your parks is to do with marketing. So, you know, a lot of those, it's it's understanding your client and and how to market to them. Absolutely. What's the schedule like? Is it jam packed or is it you know a couple sessions a day so folks can just squeeze it in? Um, there's like two keynotes in both days, and then you can choose to. There's there's a whole bunch of breakout sessions as well, and we also have the slots for the one on one. I mean, you don't have to attend at all. Um, you can pick and choose the things you want to attend. Um, and for those people that like have cabins, we also have like a. Um, uh, a hotel stream as well. So there might be some things in the hotel stream that might be in, of interest as well. Cool. Um, yeah. Ben, while he's talking, why don't you pull yeah. up the website and just share your screen and we can take a look at it. Yeah, one you, second. You put like a hubs. I don't know what that link is you just put in there, but. Will the uh, content be recorded in case schedule timing doesn't work for, for attendees? I think so. Um, I'll have to get back to you on that one, but I think sure. so. Yeah, no worries. I think it's been um, recorded. Awesome. Let me see. I'm trying to get this thing up here. Let's see what it looks like. 
Can you guys see that or not? No, no? sir. No, oh, yep. Yeah. Now I can. Mm -hmm. I have to click on and share it. So I love the way this thing screen shares. Like, <clears throat> really happy with this oh. platform reason. So can you see it now? Yep. The yeah. RMS page. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is the where you can find the information um, about the summit. Uh, there's some speakers. They wisely didn't put my picture up here because I would scare people off really quickly. So um, we have a comment in the chat. Sorry, that it looks like booking is closed. Is that that should not be true? Maybe Ben, uh, go try. Yeah, Ben, try, try. It. <laughs> and feel free to use your credit card and get us all. Yeah, tickets. I mean, you uh, get a discounted rate. Reserve yeah, your fancy. ticket today. Oh, Let me see. Oh boy, here we go. Uh, is your property ready? Oh, it says closed. Or oh, regular man. registration closed. So okay. wow, that means that it must have it must have hit capacity. Let's get that open back up again because we really. I think we. I'm not sure. I'm typing with my support team at the moment to find out what's going on. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, man. We're so glad we could actually bring value to you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Teamwork. So he, so There's here's. Ben. <laughs> so here's the speakers. I mean, some of them are pretty familiar, like Diana Kelly from Camp Cal Now. She's pretty familiar if you're involved in the campground industry. Um, um, some of these aren't as familiar, but um, I'm, you know, I like some of the, you know, meeting these new people because they come from different aspects of the, which is great because I think know um there's a lot of things we can learn from each other um not just need to just stick in the campground industry like the lodging and like hotel industries that we can learn um you know, new processes and new ways of doing things um oh, there's lodging magazine which is a magazine i don't think i've heard of so i probably check that one out there's my picture Wait, 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 wait. What picture is that? I've never seen that picture before. You've yeah, never I, seen that before? <laughs> no, I I don't know. That's from a couple of years ago. Because high school picture. <laughs> no, that's not high school. That's only from a couple of years ago. But um, I've gained a little weight since then. So it's, it's, I look a little... We all, we all did. We all collectively did it. Okay. So there's a doctor. Wow. That... Of Doctor, he's strategy consultant, Majid Associates. So I am jealous. Like I feel like there's got to be a, a website I can get a certificate that I can call myself a doctor. Like so be a doctor of marketing. Or something. You could just start calling yourself a doctor if that's your. <laughs> who's this guy? Matt. Matt Gill. Matt. Yeah, well, you're gonna say my last name. Who's that guy? Yeah. I, I dare you to say my last name again, Ben. <laughs> I'm just gonna call you Matt G. Maggie, Raul. I think I've spoken with Raul before. Um, yeah, he's a great guy. Fred. Oh, um, I don't think Fred, man. He's got the swagger suit. Yeah, he does. Killing it. Glamish shot, right? Chief Revenue Officer. That's a title. The man deserves that title with that suit on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a lot of numbers. That's a lot of dealing with numbers that I don't want to deal with. So Amanda Williams. So you've got quite a bit of your RMS staff on here too. That's yeah. going to be speaking. So, um, 
was uh, the, the site's opened up again now so um i oh, was awesome. just like typing with our actually our marketing team were watching the pod, the um <laughs> podcast and they're like oh no thanks guys and then here's the schedule sessions so um cool. and these are all in pacific time correct correct uh okay. yeah so add so, three hours for um east coast okay so this one's 8 a.m so that'd be 11 a.m east mm -hmm. coast. so i mean for people on east coast you're not even having to wake up early to we're to get to that talking. keynote so <laughs> just the pacific coast people um so it looks like you guys it looks like it's mainly morning through the maybe early afternoon yeah so that way people okay. on the that way people on the east coast don't you know they're they're out as well before office hours close as well. So okay, all right, well, yeah. Depends on what you do later. I mean, like at the Canada show, we just broke out the wine and stayed all night. So <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was shocked actually at how many folks were uh, hungry hungry to do that, which is good. So okay, well, I um uh, and what's the software you guys are using? Have you guys used the the virtual software before? Um, no, this is the first time we're using it before, but um, I, I am going to have to get back to you. I don't remember the name of it. I know it starts with an S, um, but, but um, they, were, they were really impressed because, you know, you can, um, because of all the breakout sessions, it's, uh, I just got three pings on my Zoom. Thank God for Zoom socio. <laughs> 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 Our message marketing team is people. on like, it. They're very excited about being able to use this software. So That's awesome. Well, that's great. Well, I think you guys can. Well, is the, I, I don't know if there's anything more to show on the site. Is there anything else you wanted to point out on the site, Matt? Oh, I took yeah, your I, screen share off, Ben, so sorry. Oh, that's good. So I, I can pull it off if you want me to, if you point me anything. It's still sitting there, but... <laughs> So, okay. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about the, the summit. So just the additional education and stuff and getting updates from people. So yeah, there's never too much education, right? So the more we have, the better. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially, I mean, at that price point with a cool discount code, I mean, you can't go wrong. <laughs> so so I do have an answer back for you about the recording. Um, so okay. they are record they are recorded, and so um, you can actually listen to it on demand as well. So right. we're like the Netflix of um, a <laughs> virtual summits. So awesome! Yeah, see, you don't have to be available on the sixteenth. Wait, wait. Netflix keeps raising my prices every year. <laughs> yeah. Yep. What are you suggesting? Who doesn't? Does, well, does that's why you not do that? That's why you get a mobile phone plan that includes Netflix, and then you don't have to pay for it. That's, yeah. oh, see, that's not a thing in Canada yet. Oh, you guys are so lucky. There's a couple. They 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 all team up now, so you pay for one thing and you get another thing for free. It's great. I think I, I get HBO that. Max as part of mine with AT and T, but I don't know. Lucky. Uh, yeah, I, d I don't think I get anything like that. I, I get Disney Plus and ESPN and Hulu. It's all combined. I don't know if I, I have anything I just get a big, giant bill every month. There you go. That's always true. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> so I guess one of my other questions would be, 
so I so can people pay for the recordings after the show? So like I I can't make it to the summit, but I want to watch the recordings afterwards. Is there a separate way for them to pay? I well, if you pay for the summit and then you will get the this and on it's like Netflix. You can go back in and watch the thing you want to see. Okay. Does it, does it stream in 4K like Netflix with Dolby Digital Audio? <laughs> How good's my face now on this camera? That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> this is what you get. This is the standard uh, we're meeting. Yeah, it's good enough. <laughs> it's awesome. No, it's exciting. Well, it's always great to have uh, access to great educational content like that. Uh, it's cool to see it happening virtually. It makes it so accessible to, to so many folks. Um, and and uh, like Ben said, it's really cool to have different perspectives brought to the table um, and, and learn from folks with different experiences. I'm excited. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I think as the glamping thing takes off, I think we can learn a lot from like the hotel industry on the service end of things and how they do different things. So, so. Maybe. Yeah. What hotel you're learning from. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, I, mean, I think. I think some some campgrounds and things like that are going to do that better than than a hotel ever can, um, but I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I think we'll get into some news now. Um, cool. uh, are we letting Are we letting Matthew go? Or are you hanging out with us? Do you want to hang out, Matt? You, you can hang out, out as long as you, you. want. <laughs> we'll never kick you out. <laughs> <laughs> Contribute. I'll give you great information about how to get Netflix for free, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's life changing. But yeah, you can hang out as long as you want. I don't know how busy you are. Um, uh, you know, if you're like me, you just lay around all day and don't really do anything. So that, I take a lot of naps. And read news about the peanutters. <laughs> yeah, the peanut. <laughs> Fox News top headline. It even says top headline. <laughs> wow. All right. What else do we got? What do we want to talk about here? Mr. Yeah. I mean, well, I think, you know, we didn't mention, you know, it's been a few weeks. I think the beginning of February, uh, you know, David Berg passed away, which, which, you know, hit the industry pretty hard. I think um, anybody who's involved with Arvik, but I just kind of wanted to mention that. And I know, We've been personally involved with him. I think he came on the show at the end of November, early December, um, and, and spoke with us about a few things. But um, I was really sad to hear that he had passed away. So he had, he's of, really... Ben, yeah, I, I wanted to bring up to um, CCRBC did lose a board member also this past week, uh, George, George Goodrick, uh, who has spent years championing our industry. Uh, he uh, works uh, for Adventure Sports RV in Nova Scotia. Um, he's been a fabulous um, just supporter of the industry in general. He is really fundamental to CCRVC's existence. Um, he's been uh, representing the RV Dealers Association of Canada at our table for all the years CCRVC has been around. Uh, he was, you know, chairman of RVD of Canada's board for for a time. I think <laughs> uh, more than once. Um, he he's just always been a really 
really incredible contributor to the industry here in Canada, um, a good friend, a good kind man, um, a, an incredible loss for, for all of us uh, industry-wide. But definitely, I think our group at CCRVC is really feeling um, that loss. And I, I wanted to just send condolences to everybody in his family and on his team in Nova Scotia um, and across this country who who called him a friend and, and uh, like myself, really took lots of great advice from him over the years and relied on him to uh, support our industry. It's a, it's a massive loss for us. And um, he will be greatly, greatly missed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Sorry, yeah, I it's always to meet him like a David Berg. Like I talked to him in passing too and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I had never really got to glean kind of the knowledge that some of my peers had just because we just didn't cross paths as much as I would want it to. But yeah, all good yeah. things, you know, again, same thing, leader in the industry, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's just it's terrible. Shame. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I, uh, I saw some great photos of David Berg that were passed along here the last few weeks. Um, you know, I, I've ran into him a few times, but not really got to talk to in depth with him. And he was always um, willing to share like comments for stories and do different things um, like come on our show and talk mm -hmm. about different topics. So um, he, you know, I, th I think one of the pictures I had seen Arvik was circulating was him with his big red. He had like a nine, a 48 Ford, um, that he delivered lobsters in at his campground in Maine. So mm -hmm. that was kind of neat, um, just seeing that truck and kind of what he was able to do with the campground. So um, he'll definitely be missed in the industry. So, Yeah, it's monumental loss for all of us. Uh, I think on both sides of the border, when you kind of have these really strategic individuals who, who contribute over and above their own businesses and their own, you know, interests to, to just make things uh, supportive and collaborative and successful. It's, it's mm -hmm. so difficult to lose that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But um, uh, I guess transitioning from that, we did see some good news um, this morning. Uh, Care camps um, announced a big, partnership with Patrick Industries, which is like um, an RV parts supplier. So they supply a lot of different um, parts to like RVs, companies and boating companies and related industries. Um, they're doing a huge partnership with Care Camps, a lot of fundraising. They're going to be doing some fundraising and they're, I think they wrote a, a check to Care Camps already. It didn't specify how much the check was for, but um, they're going to be doing numerous gifts and different things to care camps which is great and uh for people who don't know what care camps is they provide um kids with cancer and their families a chance to go spend time at uh like a special oncology summer camps where they can get the care they still need since they're fighting cancer but they can also experience outdoors and camping so that's great so and be kids for a while yeah yeah i mean it's great to hear Patrick stepping up like that. And I know a lot of people in the RV industry have, and a lot of people in the, in the campground industry as well. So that's great to hear. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Any support for care camps uh, is great to see. I know we're here at CCRVC kind of working to launch some more initiatives with them too, specifically to support their, their camps on the side of the border. So um, it's, you know, a incredibly valuable 
organization. I'm so excited to get to work with them. Yeah, definitely. We also saw that RV shipments were way up again. I think they were up almost 40% in January. So that's great year over year. So um, interesting thing I would like to know, like we all know that RV shipments are up, right? But are these shipments that are up for, you said January, are they orders from like last July that are just now getting filled? Or are these placements of new orders that have been made in January that will be filled months later? Yeah. So I think, yeah, there's a, it's important to be cautious about these numbers because yeah, like you said, lots of times those things are catching up, but I think, what we're seeing now is this trend where every month it's 40% up right. and, and 50% and, and things like that. So now it's kind of setting this trend where, you know, maybe they're catching up, but we're seeing those numbers stay really uh, positively uh, successful month month after month. Yeah, and the dealer demand is still there. So yeah. obviously, you know, the dealers just need the units so bad. And, uh, and I know from the dealer perspective, they keep saying that they're, you know, dealers are having tons of customers still coming in and, and wanting units. So, um, so I imagine some of it's catching up and then some of it's just trying to keep up with new business. So oh, yeah, either way, it's great. I was just curious. Yeah. Which one it was. I didn't know if you had any data on that. So no, you know, the numbers just show the shipments. So the numbers of shipments that the manufacturers are shipping, um, they don't really dive. The monthly numbers really don't dive too much into um, it's probably like a, they're, they keep into those capacity and churning them out faster. And that's why. The yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know SSI, um, oh man, I can't remember the full name of the company. They do like a retail sales numbers, um, statistical surveys incorporated. They do like retail numbers for the companies like sales numbers. So I think maybe that breaks down a little bit more into what you're talking about. So, but I haven't seen anything recently from them so um so but i i also saw the canadian numbers i guess um you know i think the canadian numbers were down a little bit right kara for various uh, reasons well yeah so i think there's some limitations surrounding uh you know getting stuff across the border and all kinds of tariff impacts mm. and things like that but um and also i mean the depths of winter here <laughs> um, and I think, you know, we're seeing things like the used market really uh, doing some in incredibly surprising things, too. So, um, you know, there's there's some hurdles, you know, you're hearing about there being zero place to store RVs and stuff because all of the storage facilities are full, um, you know, and it. If we're shipping in thousands of new RVs every month, we're going to need somewhere to park them, you know, when they're not being yeah. used and things like that. There's all kinds of little ripple effect stuff happening. And I think typically, you know, we're a little bit, we're not a little bit, we're seriously impacted by the, the seasonality of things. But uh, I, I, I think, you know, I know lots of the RV dealerships that I specifically work with here in Alberta are really amping up sales and, and doing some unique stuff. You know, they're renting out big commercial facilities to um, do kind of indoor but COVID safe, you know, scheduled appointment-based uh, sales and things like that. So they've got some unique cool stuff that they're strategically working on to, um, you know, keep product moving. Um, but I think overall, definitely, it, that's a typical 
thing we see at this time of the year is things slow down in in the cold and uh we'll see we'll see things pick back up here in the coming weeks do you have yeah, any, any clarity kara and then i'll ask ben the same thing about the us but do we have any clarity about how like we're talking about rv shipments but what about glamping shipments like tents or cabins or things like that i mean obviously they're up and there's delays but do we have any clarity how much no, I don't have clarity about how much. Uh, it's actually one of the things I'm kind of most excited about in kind of fallout from the Canadian conference we just held in January is we've established great relationships and connections with a lot of those uh, product providers. And so I'm hoping to be able to gather that data from them um, better going forward. But I think uh, there's also, it, it's such a, th that sector of the industry is in its infancy really here in right. Canada. So, um, you know, I expect we'll see this. Yeah, I expect we'll see this quick, like suddenly we'll we'll see a bunch of units probably move and then it might drop off for a bit and then level out. But um, I do think, you know, orders, if you haven't ordered your glamping units already, you might not see them in 2021. Um, so, you know, there's some some backlog stuff to consider there too and i i think uh that's going to be a hurdle in in getting those sales and numbers and and moving that product around i mean probably cumbersome to deliver a tp <laughs> um which is tough during a pandemic too i think yeah i think down here in the u.s i mean it's this i mean they we call the companies and we talk with them directly, but I don't think there's, you know, we don't have any like compiled data from someplace. I mean, that would be great, but there is so many different companies yeah. and even, even at Woodall's, we don't even, you know, we talk to quite a few of them, but there's new ones popping up all the time. There's a ton of really small tent makers that we don't even really get to. Um, so, uh, I mean, it would be difficult. Plus we have, UK companies that are coming over and um, selling tents and having more success now over here too. So, um, if only there but was you know, like a way we could bring them on without them traveling here. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, someday that mystery will be solved, maybe. <laughs> but um, you know, when we talk to all the companies, it's you know they're saying that they're backed up. They're um, you know, they're selling like crazy. I, I would note like the park models. Um, it's kind of curious with the park model segment, because when we read these monthly reports from RVIA, like in this new one from January, park model RVs ended the month down 7.8% compared to last January. But when we talk to the PMRV companies themselves, like Cavco and Skyline, which are the bigger ones, and even like some of the smaller ones, they all indicate to us that they've been busy, that they've been shipping out units, um, that they expect a really great 2021. So it's kind of interesting to see. I, I, it would be interesting to know why every month they keep saying that the shipments are down. But when we talk to the actual companies, they say that shipments are, are doing extremely well. So I think like Brian pointed out, it might be valuable to do a bit of a deep dive on, you know, yeah. how they're, how they're measuring these analytics. What are the specific factors? Is this, are we talking specifically just shipments? And, and then, so then what is the timeline for that? Are these shipments from orders eight months ago or are these shipments from orders last month? And, and what is the, the time disparity there? I think, um, all those factors probably have a huge impact on what those numbers look like. Um, I have connection with a couple of uh, 
park model manufacturers here and they're pre-sold for a couple of years so yeah well let's let's, uh, let's I, put a show on it then we gotta yeah we need some stuff for april right so yeah, yeah. i, I know I, I know on the cavco front maybe what's impacting the shipments too is the fact that they have a bunch of orders but then they also had to shut down for a little while for covid and then yeah. i believe at least with cavco industries they've had some problems getting people back to work and like um, finding enough employees so it's definitely at least when i talked to them in the past i don't know about right now but in the past it had slowed their production mm -hmm. ability down so they weren't shipping as many units not because they didn't have orders but just because they couldn't can't, pump out as can't many units. windows and yeah crazy things like that either so yeah. there's a right. ton of factors here we just want to yeah. understand it, right? Nobody's questioning yeah. that it's good and it's great for yeah. the industry and they're, they're doing really well. We just want to understand. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be cool, cool, to, so. cool to hear. Uh, Matthew, I don't want to leave Matthew down there. <laughs> I don't know if you can answer. Just hanging out. RMS specifically, have you guys seen any trends with reservations coming into the season in 2021? Or is that not your department? Or um, <clears throat> I think... We're putting you on the spot. I know yeah. you are. I, I, I <laughs> for this stuff. I didn't want to leave in the That's fine. That's fine. Um, you know, I think that um, one thing that we're seeing coming because we have parks are doing pretty well, right? It's not like um, they were even doing well during the pandemic, especially in certain states where there weren't a lot of lockdown. Mm -hmm. And a lot of parks actually got classified as uh, because they're their places where people live, they were kind of open for business. So those those um, those parks did pretty well during the pandemic. Um, yep. I think what happened was um, that you know it's it's pretty steady, right? People people still know that like a park is much safer to stay because it's outdoor. You can you you're within your confines of your RV, and and so I think it's you know. Um, what I've been hearing a lot of is um, there's a lot of um, uh, big business coming in and buying up mm -hmm. a whole bunch of land. And um, I mean, this is this is just what I've heard from the grapevine. I mean, you know, don't fact check me on any of this stuff. But I know that there's no, a lot. Of, um, do any fact checking? You're <laughs> You know, I think there's a lot of expansion happening in the park market at the moment, and that's what we're we're hearing. You know, so there's a lot of people that are developing land to become parks and stuff like that so um i think you know as far as the park industry is concerned it, you know from our mega point of view it's it's like it's going really well it's a great are time you, to be an owner in a park i believe are you seeing a shift towards more glamping you know reservable inventory like tents and cabins and those kinds of things um i think uh, it's like it depends like some people are going more of an extended stay model other people like there's a lot of i'm going to say there's a lot of change happening right we mm -hmm. have a lot of people saying we want to reconfigure our inventory to be more extended stay now we want to be reconfigure our inventory to be more transient now like it it, it depends i think on the park right and the market and so, and so i'm just going to say a lot of change you know i don't think that there's a lot of people going out and buying a whole bunch of cabins because I know just from personal experience trying to get through an, a renovation in my house, there's not a lot of builders and 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 yeah. um, 
people to actually do the work. So, you know, you're on these big long wait lists if you want any type of construction to happen and you need to know someone. I'm, I'm you know, for property developers, I think it might be a little bit of a different situation, but I think, you know, um, people converting to uh, more cabin or that type of thing. I think it's, it's probably tough, you know, if you wanted to, um, there's probably demand there for it, but uh, we're not seeing a lot of people converting their inventory to cabins. And do you know what I mean? If that makes right. sense. What, what, yeah. What's interesting with this COVID thing too, when we're talking about these unique accommodations, a lot of them use a lot of wood and, you know, we've talked before on here about the wood prices going up and yep. it'll be interesting to see how that impacts people, campground owners ability to buy cabins and different things. Because I think I was reading last week um, or over the weekend, fortune was saying that um, the price of a new home went up $24,000 because wood prices are up 180%. Um, and I mean, when you're looking at like a park model or a cabin, um, I mean, I imagine those prices have to be going up um, mm -hmm. just to meet the wood, you know, how much wood cost is. So I wonder if that impacts um, park owners' ability to expand when they're looking at cabins and things. The thing is, I think this is going to change a lot, like in the next few years, right? I mean, I think COVID exacerbated some of the lumber costs and the work things that Matt was talking yeah. about. But we've known for a while, or at least I have being the geek that I am, that 3D printing is coming. Um, they th they three D printed an entire neighborhood in Mexico, and I read the other day that they three D printed the first house in New York State. Mm -hmm. They're selling like two hundred thirty thousand dollars because it's basically a novelty, right? But yeah. you can print mm -hmm. these things between four and eight thousand dollars, like it's probably cheaper for a cabin or a you know not a house, right? And if you can print them on site, you can print them out of other materials besides wood. Like you obviously can't mm -hmm. ship cinder blocks or cement to a campground because that would be way too expensive. But mm -hmm. you can print it on site. So I think it opens up a little few different avenues for, uh, and again, that's a couple years off still, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think it would be exacerbated and maybe pushed forward a little bit by the COVID and labor shortage and situation that we're going through now too. Yeah. Yeah. Pushes people um, to get innovative. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm it, super interested. Like I, the, uh, if this backlog gets out of the way, right. Is there, a, it, could you make a campground with all cabins or glamping that you just solely did on Airbnb? I feel like that would, depending on the destination, that would probably sell like crazy, at least right now. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I'm okay, we're seeing, sorry. Sorry, Matt. I apologize. No, no, no. no <laughs> go, go, go. Um, we're, we've, we've got a couple of properties up here that are primarily have rentals. So whether they're those geodesic domes or, you know, outfitters tents or whatever, you know, where 60 or 70% of their inventory is, yep. you know, a, a glamping, glamping unit. I know some people don't like that word, but, um, and then, and then they also have RV sites on, on site, but it's not the, the primary kind of revenue source for them. So there are people going that way. I think uh, like Matt pointed out, it really depends on the park. It depends on, uh, there's so many factors in each yeah, scenario. You need all kinds of permitting and stuff to do, to do different things. Now you have to consider things like sanitization between guests and all kinds of extra stuff that could be difficult if you don't have access to staff. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of factors that go into those choices, but I think it's doable for sure. I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, with all the extra stuff, um, Campers are definitely demanding more of the cabins and the glamping stuff. There's definitely a segment. Um, it'll be interesting to see if this kind of 
slow, you know, for the campground owners, whether it kind of slows down the momentum they had towards adding more of those because they do have to have more staff and cleaning and the costs. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe if there's some campground owners listening, maybe they can comment on um, if they're adding a new cabin and if the cost, you know, costs well, are going up and stuff like that. So. Challenges with labor and stuff like that that care about. Yeah. But you're also talking about charging 150 to 300 to 400 dollars a night versus 30 to 80 for an RV site. Right, but you do have access now suddenly to this segment of the market that doesn't own an RV that would like to try to vacation or go on a trip more domestically and wants to do it in in a way that feels safe and secure to them that's maybe a little bit more um, secluded than in a hotel or a standard hotel. So suddenly there's appetite from travelers who are used to spending a hundred and some dollars a night to to vacation in a different way. And so, you know, it's it's an interesting strategy to try to capture some of that market. Uh, um, Matt, since you're on, uh, <laughs> I was going to actually say, um, just adding into what Kara was saying, you know, I think there's a lot of people, even, you know, just hearing the buzz around the office, people that like, you wouldn't consider traditionally people that would be part of outdoor kind of tourism they're kind of saying well you know we're going to go and buy an rv and then it mm -hmm. takes them two months or three months to get an rv and then there's there's not a, like not everyone can afford an rv right but they still want to be able to go and do something and i think that you know it, it's just i um i think you know there's a new there's a new demand it's it's a, it's a different demand as well and and i think that you know if if you have that infrastructure already but um going back to Another thing that I've, you know, heard off the street, um, counties and things like that, be, because of these permitting processes, it's taking a lot longer because they're not used to working in this very reduced model or remote yeah. model. So yeah. to get permits to go through, I know that this has been very difficult um, uh, for, for, for owners as well, you know, so if they do want to change any type of their infrastructure, it's becoming, you know, that there's a lot of roadblocks to actually do it, you know, and um, I think, you know, that was a really good point that Kara made about the, you know, the logistics of not only that, you know, you still have to get someone to, to um, connect up the water and the sewer and all of those types of things in like, I know you can buy a box and put it on a piece of land, right, that there's a lot of those types of things out there now, but you know, you still have to do all that connection stuff in this. And, and um, you know, I think there's there's probably definitely delays on that type of stuff as well. And I think the public's more aware too, on some level of what's going on in the campground sector. Cause it seems like every time uh, we read about, you know, somebody wanting to expand or do a, or build a new park, you know, the public is are in that area is really aware of what's going on. And, um, you know, there's definitely, can be issues where, um, you know, the public comes and doesn't like the idea or, or wants major changes. So that's kind of slowing down stuff too. You, Matthew is bringing to this conversation, like he's got all this word on the street, like he hears it on the street. Like, <laughs> why do you not hear anything on the street, Ben? Why? I mentioned, we... I mentioned that. I just don't use the term word on the street all the time. Come on. <laughs> I did. I did. I mean, I did. I mean it's just like what we what people talked you know we hear for, like of from course, yeah. yeah like everybody's going to matt with their news and insider information so maybe <laughs> okay. we swap 
I'm a, I'm a good listener. No. Yeah. I'm a good listener. So Ryan's uh, saying in the comments, more and more of my friends are seeking cabin camping like crazy, especially since COVID began. But then well, immediately afterwards, we hear we are a small footprint campground on the eastern shore. And our experience in the last couple of years that is that people are actually moving away from traditional RV cabin style camping. So that's interesting, too, is maybe there's a, a geographical component factor here too. certain parts of the, the country maybe are doing things differently comments at once i can only put one up at a time you're going too fast <laughs> no i'm just i'm comparing them that they both came in at the same time but, and are saying really opposite things and I, it goes again back to what matt was saying about how different parks can be i mean location matters demographic matters your you know available market matters there's so many factors that go into that uh, I want to put up Ryan for a second because Ryan is my new hire at Insider Perk. He just started this morning. Oh wow! So <laughs> Welcome, Ryan. Get paid for it. So. Uh, anyway, that's Ryan. Hi, everybody, say hi to Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Welcome. Um, and then we have. Uh, I'll put up Warner's here. Warner's comment you were reading too that. Um, and he also commented, or she. I don't know if or, it's is or Warner. Or is it his name or her name? I don't know. Well, uh, we suspect, she also mentioned that we suspect that a combination of social trends, income, and obviously COVID plays a role. So there's a bunch of different ways. Yeah. So. I think, I think that's, that's also an important thing. Like, as I, I was really careful about saying that most of, I think that there was, there was a lot of parks that were adversely affected because of the, mm -hmm. you know, state mandates, right? And it was very difficult for them to operate under the, the conditions and the rules that the states had put in place and even the counties right even being in san diego and and you know i'm helping run a business so i i know a lot of the things right it's not only this california is pretty restrictive but then you know there's county um restrictions on top of the state which is on top of the federal stuff so you've got multiple layers of that some, for some people it just it just went completely the other way, you know. And um, yeah. we've yeah. heard of people that had to close their doors because basically they they couldn't get over all of the the hurdles, you know, which is you know super unfortunate. And some people yeah. would be super lucky, you know. Um, but I think in most cases it's it's trending more. But just to just to comment on one is that, you know we've heard about these these situations as well where it hasn't been all all roses, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, there's parts of Canada that are still like our, there's that Atlantic bubble out on the eastern, in the eastern provinces where they're not really letting anybody, even, you know, Canadians in. Um, so, you know, that has a really difficult impact on those local, especially tourism-based businesses and things like that, that are, um, you know, trying to make ends meet. It will be, it'll be interesting to see what happens out there this spring and, and if they open things up a bit more. Um, otherwise, I do think it's going to start, we're going to start seeing uh, campground operators out there, you know, having to make some hard decisions about the longevity of their businesses. Matt, since, since you're here, I, um, I don't know, are you familiar with RV travel? The like newsletter that goes out to like, thousands of RVers every week. Is anybody familiar with RV travel? <laughs> uh, I'm not. You can explain it in a second, but I just want to say, well, Kara, and the same thing with Ben, if you guys know any campgrounds that are struggling with restrictions or not being able to get the kind of people that the rest of the industry is seeing, send them to me and I'll help them for free and do whatever I can do uh, cool. to help save their business. So, 
Absolutely. I hope if any of them are listening, uh, reach out to Brian too. Yeah, and that's through and that's through your company, right, Brian? Yeah, you can give yeah, yourself a plug. Insider yeah. perks. I mean, we're going to a brand new website for them, right? But I'm happy to sit there and talk to them for an hour or two about consulting and how to shift their marketing to local and see yep. what we can do for free to help them. So, yeah. Um, so I guess since Matt was here, I wasn't really going to bring this up today, but since Matt's here and he works for a reservation provider, why not? Um, RV Travel had this article um, that kind of talks about uh, dynamic pricing. Um, and, I, you know, I, I was a little hesitant to mention it because I know um, campground owners get a little jittery. They're a little afraid that um, RVers are going to find out that they're doing dynamic pricing for some reason and, and tell other people and that it's going to scare people away from their park, which I don't really know if uh, that's true because they've been doing it in hotels for a long time. But he, you know, um, uh, one of his writers wrote an article about, it's titled Campground Crowding a secret reservation system code that's costing you money. <laughs> and and it kind of goes into like, oh, the, how bad dynamic pricing is. It, it's, it was really kind of shocking to me because mm. um, it's just surprising, I guess, because they've been doing, they do this in like other areas, like hotels and airlines and stuff. And it's just kind of surprising um, how you know the campground you know the blunt truth is ben like there's a lot of people who don't like dynamic pricing right? we're aware that there's owners that aren't happy with it and obviously some of the guests aren't happy with it too because why would you want to pay more than your neighbor right but the blunt truth is this like we've seen campgrounds that refuse to do dynamic pricing sell and get taken over by a larger group who owns multi-properties and triple their revenue in a year yeah so i mean not like it but you're literally leaving money on the table and this is this is my like my I, when people come to me, because I come from a revenue management background and it's all about dynamic pricing, I, I talk about milk. You go two miles that way, it costs you 50 cents less than if you go that way, right? And they have dynamic pricing is everywhere in every market now. And mm -hmm. to say that, you know, you only have a $45 price and that's it forever, forever, forever is kind of a little, it, it just doesn't exist in today's world anymore. And people understand it, right? You're going to get a discount when they're empty and you're going to get like, it, you, it's going to be more expensive when they're full. You know, I mean, it's, it's just that simple. Well, take, and, and Take your milk example, right? Like, uh, so yes, I mean, my mom was one of those people when I was a kid, right? She would go out of her way to save 40 cents on a mop at the other Walmart that was 20 miles away. Didn't make any sense to me because she would spend the money on gas, mm -hmm. but it never worked despite how many times I tried to point this out to her. Uh, but anyway, the, the point is, is that it's the experience too, right? So you're talking about campgrounds yeah. and the different types of experiences they provide. So if that milk was a dollar more expensive further away, but they like had somebody meet you at your car in non-COVID times and walk you in and give you like a concierge service to help you discuss the different types of milks and the brands and right, then it's worth paying that extra dollar. So it depends on what you're doing at your campground, what you're offering your guests, all those kinds of things. But, what, but can I say not to everybody? So my, my thing with this, yeah. this whole argument is this is just like, you know, if you offered a certain amenity in your park or, you know, some parks choose to not have dogs. So people with dogs aren't going to go to that park. That this, this is another factor that consumers get to use in choosing the, the experience that they want to have that is a priority for them. If, if somebody met me at my car and wanted to talk to me about milk, I would 
want to punch them in the mouth. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm never going to want clear. I'm like the, I'm not advocating yeah. for the milk concierge. But. No, no. I'm just saying like, I'm not going to be the type of person who chooses that experience. I, I'm, I'm going, I prioritize something else in my purchase choices. And I think this dynamic pricing scenario is no different. I think uh, those consumers who want a certain type of experience at a peak time, um, in, in a certain type of campground are going to pay the money. And those that value, you know, getting, making sure they always get $45 a night site are going to go to those campgrounds. And, and so I think just like we constantly say on this show, there is room for everybody at this table. Um, I think there are consumers out there who value that mom and top pop, pardon me, type campground that, mm -hmm doesn't use dynamic pricing and still takes their reservations with a pen and paper and, sure. and those kinds of things. And, and so, and maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe someday those, those campgrounds will, uh, you know, have to kind of be forced to make changes. And if that, that day comes and they're nimble enough, they'll do so. Um, it's just kind of the reality of consumerism, I think. I think the other thing is you have to be forced to move to dynamic pricing, certainly, but but the fact remains that you are leaving money on the table. If you're okay with that, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing is there are strategies, right? And I can go on and talk about this for a long time, but you, <laughs> you can still sell to those people that are your VIP people at the same price. Like the person who comes new to your website doesn't know on the 14th of May last year, your price was $47 and now it's $58. They don't know. So like you have to have strategies in your rate. Um, sorry, I get super passionate about this because this is my history, but there's strategies for dealing with like those types of guests that come to your place every single year and want to stay at site 105, right? You want to treat those people with the gold, um, with the red carpet, the same way you did every single year and you should treat them the same, right? Mm -hmm. And there's, there's, there's strategies with rates to make sure that Mr. and Mrs. Smith stay at the same rate and the same experience year in year in year um but that doesn't mean that you should stop having things like dynamic pricing right exactly. for those because if you want to keep attracting people those people don't know right and they they're used to it and it's a subset of the market that is probably in that kind of old mindset so that i, I mean there's a lot of things that yeah. we can be said it's i think just like, like just like Kara said there's value in that old mindset to a certain segment of people and they're just like there's people who would stay at national parks to be closer to nature who don't care about all the amenities like Wi-Fi and pools okay. and all those kinds of things. And so there's plenty of room for all the things to go around. So Yeah, well, I think the key is remaining. Yeah, remaining really uh, adaptable is incredibly important, more so than I think prioritizing, you know, doing the same thing that everybody's doing all the time. Um, yeah. So I but, think. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe, too, the campground industry gave themselves a little bit more of a headache because they waited so long to do some of this stuff. Um, you know, the, I mean, they're definitely, I mean, I, I put the link to the article uh, in the comments. So if you click on the link, you can see the article has a lot of um, reader feedback. So, I mean, there's quite a few quotes. And if you re if you go down, it's, it's interesting um, just to see what some of these people think. Um, but, you know, I think some of it, too, is you just waited so long to implement stuff like this and people are kind of reacting. Yeah, it's, new, it's, it's a change. There's lots of people don't do well with change. 
Um, and I, I think as, as time goes on, people are just going to kind of begin to understand the fundamental kind of decision-making behind it. And, and if they don't, they'll stay at the campgrounds that don't do dynamic pricing yet. <laughs> right. And, I, I, and again, just like we've discussed, there's so many people in this industry to go around that that person who doesn't want to stay with dynamic pricing is going to be replaced by somebody who does. Yep. Don't be afraid of it. If that's something, mm -hmm. if that's the direction that you want to take your campground. And don't sure. not do it either, as long as you're comfortable with where you're at and where you're going and what your business model is. Yeah, it's important to kind of measure all the or weigh all of the factors and 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 understand a topic too. Nothing's more frustrating than hearing somebody make the argument that, you know, I don't want to do that, but they can't back up why. It, you know, it's important to understand the dynamic behind it. Talk to somebody like Matt, who's really passionate about it and can give you some great information about the strategies you could use that that you know could could make it work for you. I think those things are incredibly valuable in making those decisions. Yeah, Matt, what's yeah. the word on the street about this? <laughs> he already said. You can live in both worlds. You don't need to yes. be a lane, exactly. right? And that's yeah. the thing. If you have your strategies set up properly, you can live in both worlds. And mm -hmm. why would you if someone's willing to pay you more, why would you like cut off your nose to spite your face, right? Yeah. But we, you can keep the same thing for your, you know, those people that want that kind of fixed price model. I, I, I just think those people that, that want the fixed price model are the people that come to your campground year after year after year, right? And so you exactly. know who those guests are. You don't like, and um, you know, you can maintain still being that bastion of, of fixed pricing if you want to a certain segment. And then to the other people that you can make more money on, you you make more money. You know, I think I don't think they're um, I don't I think they're mutually exclusive. You can do them you both, you can have both situations. Absolutely. I, I love that. I think when we talk to campground owners, I don't, you know, I haven't heard any negative experiences once somebody switched over to that kind of pricing model. Usually it's, um, I can't wait, I can't believe I waited this long or, yeah. um, you know, uh, I haven't really heard any negative experiences. Maybe they have a few people at first that don't like it, but then they move on and, um, you know, they make more money. So when you make more money, some of that negative attention doesn't seem to bother you as much. So, well, but again, I mean, just, you know, it is, it is important. Like what Kara said is important that it is, it's a personal preference. Like if you're okay with doing pen yeah. and paper and you're okay with where your business is growing X percentage a year and you don't want to grow, you don't want to get crowded. You don't want to, like, if you're just happy being you, then that's fine. Continue to be you. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, you know, that's the biggest thing about kind of everybody getting to run their own little business and make those choices for themselves. And it's important that, uh, you know, like I said, adaptability, very valuable. <laughs> uh, another piece of news I thought was interesting as we turned the calendar into this year was, you know, we've been hearing a lot about like solar power and energy and like electric, you know, sources for power, different things. And when we turned into 2021, it seemed like some of that um, really took some attention because I think GM announced that they were going to try to go um, electric only by 2035, I believe. And um, that in turn has led to quite a few articles about electric like RVs and, um, you know, whether we're going to be seeing some of that here recently, you know, down the road here pretty soon. And I think it's an interesting, um, you know, idea that 
you know, campground owners kind of need to think about. Um, I know when I've talked, when I've spoken with electric component suppliers to the campground industry, you know, they kind of say that some places have started buying chargers, but not a lot. And, um, but it's a very interesting concept, you know, that we could be seeing all electric RVs here soon. And what does that mean for campground owners? Um, well, it's demand-based partially, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you've got a company that starts manufacturing electric RVs by the thousands or tens of thousands, then campgrounds are going to add that because they want to have those people at their park. Whether there's a more higher charge for that site, certainly that's acceptable if that's causing the park to have a higher electric bill, right? But they're right. going to put in the pedestals if there's tens of thousands of RVs driving around their electric. So, well, and again, those folks with the electric RVs are going to seek out the campgrounds that can service them, you know, the way that they expect. Um, and so there's definitely, it's, it goes back to that kind of technology piece Brian was talking about before, where we just, we're going to see some pretty significant transitions, not just in our industry. I think across, uh, you know, tons of industries, we're going to see lots of really big technological changes over the next 10 years as we're, you know, striving for better uh, green sustainability uh, numbers. And I think, um, you know, th this industry will be no different. I think it will be a <clears throat> significant undertaking. Um, but as a camper myself, Darlene says, the solar sites could be the new amenity. So, yeah, and I, I do think, I mean, there's campgrounds here. There's a campground here in Alberta that, received some grants and put in a massive solar field and is not only powering the, the a large portion of the campground, but also providing power back into the grid and making some money back too. So, um, you know, there's some interesting stuff to, to hear that you could potentially dive into now when it's early um, and, and start preparing for. In our, in our next issue, in the next yeah. issue of our magazine, we're actually going to have a big feature on um, solar, um, you know, and how campgrounds have integrated that and how it's benefiting oh. them. There's a couple campgrounds in North America that operate solely on solar power. So, um, well, there's you know, there's you know, an individual site basis too, right? Like the yeah, or Diamond KOA in New York. Um, we worked with them a couple years ago. She's had for years a solar cabin that runs completely on solar. Just not the whole park, but just a cabin. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Has panels on the roof and all kinds of stuff. And so uh, these things can be done. And, and like Darlene's saying, that's an amenity. That's something that can attract a certain segment of guests who maybe not even are, they're super interested in green. They're just interested in something different, right? To say that I took it here, I can take a picture and put it on Instagram or whatever it is and share it with my friends. And so uh, there's, there's benefits to those kinds of things. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just brought it up just because I think um, it's something that campground owners need to keep an eye on. I mean, I don't think people are going to rush out and buy uh, chargers or whatever, you know. But there are, like, Winnebago is working with a company to make an all-electric RV. Um, Europe, there is a European company that makes an all-electric RV already. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, definitely something to keep an eye on. And as, like, more manufacturers like GM and uh, and companies like GM go to all electric, then that'll definitely have an impact on RVs too, since they help manufacture a lot of the motorhome um, components and bodies and engines and stuff. So you've got time. Go ahead, Kara. I'm sorry. No, yeah. I was agreeing with him. <laughs> yeah, you've got you've got time to adapt. It's just mm -hmm. yeah. 
adaptable. And, and so I, mean, yeah. I don't know, I probably told you on the phone this, Ben, and maybe you care like about the autonomous RVs. Like they're going to come where the RVs drive themselves. They're already developing trucks that are going to be here in a year or two. It's not a mm-hmm. leap forward to say that RVs are going to do so. So if you've got an RV that can drive from New York to LA without stopping, what happens to the overnight campgrounds? Yeah, this was what I was going to bring up is those sorts of things, I think, not just from an infrastructure and campgrounds perspective, really could impact the industry in in some unforeseen ways. Like Brian said, you know, if you don't need to stop because you're tired or whatever, if the the vehicle (laughs) is doing all the work, you know, there's some concerns, I think, valid concerns from from those campgrounds on, on the way along the road to wherever you're going that you know, maybe maybe that impacts their fundamental business model. And that's concerning yeah. for sure. Right. But you've got time. Like you've got 10 to 15 years or if not 20 before it becomes mainstream enough where everybody owns all those RVs to, to impact your business as an overnight park. Sure. Yeah. You yep. Yep. It right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's where you just, I think I like the articles that talk about it because, you know, we definitely need to get in the mindset of, you know, obviously you're not going to be changing anything right now, but you need to keep that, you know, in your head, you know, looking at your future business plan. So um, I think we would be remiss to not mention the Texas winter storm before <laughs> we end the show, at least. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, that was just so surprising. Um, I don't think anybody anticipated Texas getting hit like that. I was reading uh, today. They were saying um, 200 billion. It could be. It could cost the state 200 billion plus, um, which is worse than Hurricane Harvey and um, there was another hurricane. And um, all 245 counties were underneath a winter storm warning, which was the first time that's ever happened. So that's just incredible. So what they've been going through, and I know we've spoken with some park owners and just the the type of stuff they've had to be dealing with as far as frozen pipes but bursting and taking in um, people who didn't have any electricity or or anywhere to live, um, um, just taking them in and providing them with um, some basics if they could and stuff like that. So it was just incredible what the whole state went through. So And the uh, increasing price of energy in the state, that was really surprising too. So one of the one of the negatives of a free market that has no regulation caps so dynamic it was pricing. A... dynamic pricing <laughs> <laughs> um, ryan said it was a nightmare um yeah it, it looked like a nightmare ryan um, that, so. yeah i mean i you know i live i think we all live except for maybe matt but like kara and brian and i we all live in northern areas so you know we read about what you know when i first read about what texas was going to get hit with i'm like oh that's no big deal but um (laughs) because you know we're used to it um but obviously it it exposed the fact that you know one texas isn't used to cold weather um like that on an extended basis and two the the infrastructure just wasn't ready for something like that which Mm -hmm. was unfortunate because millions of people suffered and and hopefully um they can rebuild back stronger i guess and get their infrastructure back in shape so 
whole thing you could unpack, right? I mean, 2011, they had another cold snap and everybody told them that they should make all this stuff winterproof and they ignored them and didn't pass regulations and force the businesses to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's all kinds of rabbit holes we could go down there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, at some point, like nobody wants more regulation, but some regulations are actually good and protect right. the consumer, so. Ryan also mentioned, we were talking about the solar, um, that there, uh, he had a friend that was wanted to go off grid. Um, there is a unit that, an RV unit that already is completely powered by solar. Um, it's not a motorhome, it's a travel trailer. And I can try to look it up and get people the link for that if they're interested in looking at it. So, um, yeah. And then briefly, Ben, I know you wanted to touch on some of the conferences that are coming up here in March for the associations. Oh yeah. I mean, if, yeah, I, we didn't get into that, but yeah, I mean, the conferences are going on. I think some are doing virtual, some are in person and, um, I, uh, I mean, I've heard some real positive things for both. So, yeah, run them through. Just um, run them through the shows that are coming up in March. Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, well, I know the Mid Atlantic show is uh, happening here. To, starts tomorrow. Um, that one's happening in Tampa Bay. They decide Tampa. They decided to move to Tampa because they couldn't host it in person in Delaware. And um, you know that one starts tomorrow. The Louisiana one started today, um, which I believe is also in person. And um, we've got the Wisconsin show, which is coming up. Uh, Wisconsin Association of Campground Owners show is coming up here in Wisconsin, um, the middle of March. Um, I'm not exactly for sure what the exact date is for that. Um, and then the Michigan one, the Michigan Association of RV Parks and Campgrounds is hosting one. And then we've also got some later spring um, ones that, you know, California, Texas, Florida. Yeah, thank you guys for letting me, giving me the opportunity today. Thanks. Have a great day, everyone. You too. All right, go ahead, Ben. Sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, we've just got to, it's great to be able to see um, these associations, um, you know, being able to, whatever method they're doing in person or virtual, just being able to host their conferences and hopefully, the associate, you know, depending on the association, and hopefully it's a benefit to the to their members. So whatever they're doing, so cool. Um, yeah. Did you find yeah. that for solar? Or? Um, I'm still looking for it. I actually talked to the guy because we do. Um, I mean, no pressure, but you're the one who said you were going to look it up. So I know, and I can't remember the name of it, but uh, um. Well, I, I would probably have to do a little bit more research, but I can find it and put it on the comments when I find it. Promised, um, under delivered. It is what it is. But anyways, I talked with them, and hopefully the company is still in business. Who knows if they're still in business? It, it was pre-COVID. It was in 2019 when I spoke with them last and got a tour of the unit. So hopefully they are still in business. Um Maybe that's why I can't find it. But um, uh, it was completely, it was a smaller travel trailer and it was, the battery was designed to be completely powered and it could last for 
a day or two and um, you once the battery ran out then you just hooked up your solar panels and and you could recharge the battery and you could also leave the solar panels out full time if that's what you wanted to do so it's completely powered by a solar system so what happens if there's a cloudy day is it like a crank on the side you can send your kids outside to wind or well i imagine that's why you keep the battery fully charged so like if you're you know, if you've got a cloudy day or you're not getting very good solar energy or whatever, um, you've got your battery back up. So um, I'm, just I'm not, you know, I'm not a big I have I'm, the radio. So <laughs> I'm not, you know, I've explored solar a little bit, but I'm not, a, you know, solar like. So I'm not exactly for sure how the cloudy day and the battery and no, all how all that works. So you're, you're 100 percent right. I'm just messing around. So. Yeah. So I've looked into getting a solar panel for my home. Um, yeah, I'm interested in it too. And I admit, same thing. I'm not as uh, savvy as some folks for sure. Um, I know our cabin property in BC, uh, we've been looking at, you know, doing some alternative energy stuff out there too, between geothermal and solar and stuff. It's interesting to explore. And a lot of the new RVs do allow you to hook up solar panels to them. They are getting, um, there's a place called Go Power, a company um, which we've ran into a bunch of times at, at, at shows. So there is ways for people to adapt their current RVs to go off grid and use solar power. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm not for sure exactly how that impacts all the functions of some of these travel trailers, if they can stay fully functional or if you know, obviously there's limitations. I have no idea. So just the incoming wattage in the controller. Like I travel with solar panels and a generator everywhere I go. So just, you know, it is, it's, it's just the connectors in the wattage and having enough power to do what you want to do Yeah, yeah. when you don't. So, but anyway, it's, what time has it been? Like, are we going to talk all day here? Like I feel like 1220. I mean, there wait, are... I want to shout out to Darlene. I think she's still listening. Darlene, I got my toque. It's so beautiful. I love it. Um, Darlene sent me a, a toque. I guess you guys, what do you call it? A beanie? No, I don't know what you're doing, but where is it? Um, it's not here currently. It's actually in my car. I took it with me snowmobiling this weekend, and it was fabulous and kept my head nice and warm the whole weekend. You don't um, like it to carry it with you 24-7, obviously. <laughs> Shush now. Um, Darlene, it's gorgeous and beautiful. And if, you, if your business has a Facebook page, can you drop the link in the comments for anybody who wants to check out your cool stuff? And next week... I'll show off my. It's cold outside. Darling, make Ryan a tube. Darling, can she... I... no, that's Ben's link. <laughs> Dar Darlene came through and said, "Evolve teardrop," which Evolve is a company that does smaller teardrop solar mm -hmm. travel trailers. Yeah. So um, I don't know if that's the exact company I was talking about, but she came through with at least one company that's doing something. Now they're they're not huge. RVs like I haven't seen like a, a huge motorhome um, powered by completely solar. Yeah, it'll um, be interesting to see. But you wouldn't really take a huge motorhome off grid, anyways, would you? I guess you could, but like, I mean, it depends on the wattage. Again, like I, I mean, I've got a, I've got a hundred watt solar panel that's probably like this, this big by this big. So, it just depends on what you can mount on the roof and how you configure it. Like my brother I, has a thirty-six foot. Uh, class A motorhome and often goes off grid for long periods of time yeah. in it. I, I guess when I was thinking off grid, I thought 
I was thinking like going in the backwoods and but I mean that wouldn't necessarily be off grid. That's well, more off road. So. Too, I feel like <laughs> it might be an issue. So, um, but yeah, so we can wrap this up. I think we talked about a lot of good stuff today. So it was great that Matt was able to stick around a little longer because um, I think he added a lot to some of the discussions. So um, it was great to have him on and hopefully people will check out the RMS summit that they are going to be doing here in a couple of weeks. It sounds very interesting. So, Mm -hmm. um, and of course, people love to hear me drone on about stuff. So just another opportunity. So... And uh, maybe next week, Brian will give us another clue in uh, this Where's Brian adventure that he's been going on. So Maybe, you never know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, well, uh, thanks, Ryan, for commenting. He's commented a bunch, too. Um, He has a couple comments here on the solar. It looks like Forest River might have something. Um, Yeah as well so well thanks everyone next week we're going to be talking about marijuana we got to talk after the show about april still right we're going to do that so yeah Yeah. uh, Yeah. april show when we get off the air but really appreciate everybody being here with us um yeah super great show i'm really impressed with with matt and all the commentary as usual by karen ben and um whatever little value that i brought to the conversation as well um and so yeah we're looking forward next week what's next week marijuana tourism weed tourism well, so. yeah, we'll be talking about cannabis, I think, and how it's wh- how how that works in some of the parks. And is um, marijuana legal in Michigan, Ben? Yes, it is. And uh, I, I'm going to demonstrate how this works at campgrounds next week. Then for us, I'm, I'm going to get a smoke machine going, so it's going to be all smoky, and I'm going to wear like a, a Jamaican beanie hat, yes. so a, like a Woodall's branded bong. <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I won't. I won't get. Yeah. I won't get fired for that one. Um. Yeah, marijuana is legal across Canada. I know campground owners are are dealing with, uh, you know, some of the fallout of, of that and some hurdles surrounding it. Um. I know there are some campgrounds that are specifically doing cannabis focused tourism and doing kind of tours and, you know, all kinds of tastings and all kinds of stuff so i'm hoping uh to get some some folks to contribute from that side of things too but uh uh we'll see yeah and i have a woman that's agreed to be on that operates a campground in uh colorado that um um you know doesn't necessarily do to you know advocate for weed at her park but she doesn't mind it um it should be a good conversation she's been dealing with it for a long time and so she has a lot of good insights into what park owners can do and you know if they have people that want to smoke marijuana at their parks and and things like that so should be a good discussion so can you at least eat brownies next week for us ben <laughs> I'm not... i prefer ben i vote for no all he said was brownies so he never said i had to have weed in the brownies i can eat brownies Brian. either way yeah no i think we're already uh or <laughs> let's just prove how we're used to it yep so well thanks everyone for watching and uh we hope you have a great week and uh yeah so nice talking with you karen brian yeah See you later. See you next week, guys